Welcome to the Content Podcast, conversations with Silicon Valley's creatives. I'm Daniel Garcia, your host and the cultivator of content magazine published by SV Creates. Hi, this is Trami. Today we talk with Trami Kron. She's the executive artistic director for Chopsticks Alley Art. Hey, Trami, this is Daniel. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yes, my pleasure. Yeah. So um, I was uh, doing a little research on you and also, um, you know, from the article that we had done about a, actually this year. It was in this year. Yeah, Yeah. this April, May. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You have done, you are involved in a lot of things. It sure looks like it, doesn't (laughs) it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, From... Uh, you know, writing a novel, right? Um, 2016, you wrote... Yes. Uh, Vietnam Easy. Yes. Yeah, which was a kind of like a story about food and culture and moms and daughters relationships, right? Yes, I wanted to share a different aspect of the Vietnamese uh, experience that has nothing to do with the Vietnam War. Yeah. Um, at that time when I was researching looking for novels about the Vietnamese experience, a lot of things came up that that was related to the war. Like literally, if you were to search Vietnam, you'll see that today. Yeah. And it really made me um, feel like, you know, there's so much richness in, in our culture that is not being shared, that has nothing to do with the war. It's about mother-daughter relationships, about the um, historical um aspects of the Vietnam culture, like where yeah. we came from and how we came to be and the pride that is that uh, that is Vietnamese and makes up our people, basically. So yeah. that's why I, I wrote that book um, to share that experience. And of course, you know, I, I linked it to food because that's the most non-threatening way for people to connect with one another is through food. Yeah. yeah. How would you uh, describe um, your relationship with your mom? I would say that it started very innocent, as in I love her no matter what, because that's what children do. Mm -hmm. And then when I became an adult, I started to realize there were aspects of our relationships that were not healthy. And I wanted to address that because I come from that generation, right, of Americans, confront everything. Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Where my my mother is of the older culture where you don't discuss things. You just serve each other food and that's called love. Yeah. And uh, when I confronted her, it it gave us um, a difficult time in dealing with each other for a few years, really, because you just don't do that. And so she was not... um, she was not keen to that, shall we sure. say. Yeah. But now we've overcome that hurdle and now we have a much healthier relationships. Would would I say, like, is it that perfect mother-daughter relationship where you share everything? No. But it is a courteous, understanding, and respectful. And also I feel a lot of compassion for yeah. my mother that I didn't feel before. So yeah. that's our relationship now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think even sometimes we think we have an ideal of what the ideal relationships are supposed to be, but in reality, you know, we're all pretty broken, and you know, we're all trying to do the best we can. You know, so yeah, we have to kind of give. Well, I hope my kids do that, but I have to give my parents (laughs) kind of grace of you know the way that they grew up um, compared to the way you know they raised me. 
you know, was leaps and bounds, you know, better. Yes. Um, but I still can find <laughs> sure, <laughs> some sure. flaws, right? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So then um, now you came, so you're kind of multicultural in a way. I mean, I guess you spent some time in France, right? So some early years when you came yeah. right from Vietnam, right? So right. I don't think, do you, do you, do you identify anything with the French culture or not really too much? It's just pretty much a Vietnamese and American, would you say? I would say I'm Vietnamese American, mostly because my time spent in France was pretty short. It was off and on for about three years, yeah. off and on meaning I spent time in America and then also back in France again. Okay. And so I, um, and it was really difficult for me to assimilate. And, you know, they said that the second language you learn is the most difficult one. And then the third is easier. And yeah. so French was a very difficult language to learn. Yeah. And I was so young. And when I came to America, I just looked, picked up English pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but I half of my family is still in France. And so oh, I, okay. I do go there. I visit every two years, except I had to skip this year for yeah. obvious reasons. Right. But uh, I, I only identify in a sense that the Vietnamese culture also has a lot of Frenchness yeah. in it. Yeah. So it's, it's embedded in part of our culture because the French you know, colonized Vietnam for about a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say, I mean, was that experience kind of like, you know, kind of some of those formable years and feeling probably, I would assume, not necessarily like having a place, right? You know, uh, not fitting in because of language barriers, culture barriers, you know, moving back and forth. Do you think that has played into kind of like the work that you're doing now with like Chopstick Alley? Do you think that's kind of played a yes. part in that? Yes, I, I do. Recently, I decided to share why I started Chopsticks Eye Art. Because sometimes we don't really know, right? It just yeah. seems like random or it just seems, oh, well, why not? You know, the Southeast Asians are not represented. But the real reason was actually when I first moved from Vietnam to France, I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. And we had some family friends over there. So my mom went to visit them. And they had two kids around my age. And so the father said, hey, you know, my kids are going to this art class down the street. Why don't, you know, why try me just, you know, go with them. Yeah. And so, um, and the adults just wanted to talk about adult things. And so they, you know, shoved us off to the art class. And that was really my first experience in mm. an art class. Yeah. Because, you know, in Vietnam, in school, you didn't really learn art. It was like you learn how to write and read and it, art is not a big um, part of education in Vietnam yeah. and so that was the first time so you imagine c going from Vietnam to France feeling completely anxious and confused the adults don't really explain anything to you and you just get shuffled from one place to another yeah. and in our culture you're not allowed to ask questions and if you ask they give you some random answer that really didn't answer your question but they just want you to shut up basically right yeah <laughs> kind of put you off yeah right because i'm sure they have their own trauma to deal with right as adults yeah. Yeah. and so it was the first time i experienced complete peace and joy where i could just draw whatever i wanted there was no right or wrong there was no oh you have to be in you know draw in the corner in the middle of the page you know it was just like do whatever yeah. the heck you wanted for about an hour or two i, I couldn't remember but yeah. that moment in my life i felt no anxiety 
no fear, no confusion. And that was really nice. And that's what I want to offer to the uh, minority and really low income families here because we're each dealing with our own trauma. And those moments, whatever that means, could change a little boy, a little girl's life forever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So when did you officially start? I, I know chops, there's Chopstick Alley and there's Chopstick Alley Arts, right? So you, yes. you kind of have, well, let's first, let's go to the name first. And then <laughs> which, and then I think because, uh, yeah, and then because the, the Chopstick Alley kind of has a, a website, a blog, and a culture kind yes. of thing. So first, where did you get the name Chopstick Alley? Well, when, when I wrote my book, Vietnamese, because every chapter had a recipe in it, and I was trained, uh, my degree was in business marketing. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, how am I going to market my book? I'm like, nobody. I just moved to San Jose <laughs> barely. So what am I going to do? And at the time, I, there was a trend of posting a lot of food images on Facebook. And so I started to do that too. And people loved it, but I almost felt like, you know, I'm like spamming people's pages and I saw these food groups starting. And so I thought, well, you know, why don't I start my own food group? And that way I can post whatever the heck I wanted. So that's when I decided to name it something that references Asian ish, but also things that are kind of mysterious. So in the Asian culture, alleys, and even in America, right, alleys mm-hmm. um, represent a whole lot of things. Mostly yeah. in English, in America, it's like bad things happen in the alleys. But in Vietnam, alleys are cool. Alleys have these yeah. you know, food stalls and interesting yeah. little shops. And so I thought, okay, let's start with, with alley. And then, well, you know, chopsticks, that's very Asian. Well, there you go, chopsticks alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so that started more kind of as, uh, you mean, the name that kind of came up then and means to kind of help market uh, the book, would you yes. say? And then that, yes. and then did that morph then into more of the 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 blog cultural? Yes. Yeah. So in 2016, uh, I just I woke up and I thought, you know, for some reason I don't see a lot of Vietnamese related younger voices mm-hmm. out there. I hear a lot from our elders. They have their own TV station and radio yeah. and newspapers, and it's all in Vietnamese, and it talks about things relating to the old country and all the things that really the young people are not interested in. And so what I found was the younger Vietnamese generation would go to the Chinese culture, the Japanese culture, and Korean to find Hmm. that commonality. And so I thought, well, why don't I start like a blog or publication of some kind? So I posted it on Facebook. I said, hey, if we do this, is anybody interested? Lo and behold, I had so many people responded that they wanted to write, they wanted to do all these things for the publication. Yeah. So I said, you know, awesome. So then we were going to name it Vic Currents because at oh, the sure. time I was in touch with India Currents and this local newspaper here, yeah. and they're yeah. awesome. Yeah. And so I thought, well, you know, let me do Vic Currents. And so we named it that. And then it actually has the, uh, it, you know, Vic Currents is VC, VC for the Vietnamese culture is Viet Cong. Viet Cong's are the right. communist soldiers, right? Yeah, yeah. So I thought, oh, maybe that's not a good idea. Why don't we rename it? And so it was in a group chat. And then somebody popped up and said, hey, 
there's this name called Chopsticks Alley. Um, that's such a cool name. And I'm like, like, that's mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, that's mine. Is everybody cool with that? They're like, yeah. So that's really how it's, it's really interesting how when it's meant to be and you're doing the right thing and on the right path, yeah. things just align. That's and kind so, of fun. It's kind of yeah. fun to have somebody quote your own words back to you in a way. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how good. it started. And we're not a nonprofit, right? It's for profit, which as yeah. you know, at a publication that we're just lucky we're not putting all money in there. Yeah. And um, so when I decided to start the Chopsticks Eye Art, we had to make it uh, nonprofit. So I literally have two companies, a nonprofit and then the for profit publication. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're you're doing a lot. I mean, you even I saw on the the website it's even Trammy Group L, you know, Limited Corporation <laughs> LLC. Yes. Yeah, LLC. So you have like the the big umbrella and uh, yes, yeah. So that I mean, so originally you were you went to business school, business marketing. Was that kind of like your main kind of like education and major? Yes. Well, um, I was supposed to be a pharmacist because okay. that's what um, we're, we were pegged to do as mm-hmm. Asian female Vietnamese. Um, but yes, I switched my major to business and that's really, that was my training. And most of my career has been in sales. I was actually selling drugs at some point, oh, the legal okay. kind, the right, legal sure. kind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, prescription, uh, drugs over the yes. counter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prescription, prescription drugs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's the thing that I've kind of noticed about you. I, I've. It, it, for me, it just seemed like you kind of started to show up on the scene, but at the same time, very involved and very like coming, being visible. And because um, when, when did Chopstick Alley Arts, when did you start that? When did that kind of begin? Sure. I started on a project at San Jose Museum of Art as their Vietnamese liaison person. <laughs> yeah. Um, they receive a grant from the Irvine Foundation to uh, bring the museum outside of its walls into the Vietnamese community. Yeah. And so they were looking for someone to be that bridge. And uh, it was really interesting to me when I saw that position uh, come across, I would pass it on to the Chop Six Alley volunteers and staff. Mm. You know, yeah. I'm like, hey, you guys do this. And it went around for about a month and it kept coming across my desk then yeah. one day, a friend of mine who's a poet, Vung Ru, uh, he emailed me and said, hey, Tommy, I thought of you when I yeah. saw this position. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But and then it occurred to me, you know, this is the universe's way of telling me something. Yeah. And so I decided to explore it. And yeah. I, then I got hired and I've never thought I would work in the arts field because that's never encouraged. Right. <laughs> Even though my biological father is uh, was a famous artist, oh, and wow. my mother was his art student. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Oh, that's but funny. it was never encouraged because I think as immigrants, when you come here, the first thing they want you to do is have stability, financial yeah. stability. And artists, you know, just like in America, they consider them like starving and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so it was never encouraged. So when I went into the, to work for the museum, this whole new world opened up to me. I had no idea how that world worked, and it was fascinating. Yeah. And it was there that when we were trying to explain to the museum how you can't just come up with a product and shove it in people's faces. 
You yeah. can't just go here. We are this large white organization. We have this cool thing for you. Yeah. Aren't you grateful? You know, and yeah. that the approach should be, what do you need? Yeah. Then we will provide you what you need. So we struggled a little bit with that. There was a point where I almost quit the museum. Oh, really? Yes, there were these struggles we would never talk about, right? Because when we do reporting, it's always this wonderful, you know, all the success stories. Yeah. Um, but we struggled through that. And I'm, I'm very thankful for the museum to stick with it. Yeah. And they recognize that there were some blind spots. And also, sure. you know, when you think of systemic racism... Mm-hmm. Um, even sometimes I, uh, I am involved in that without realizing because yeah. I was also trained my whole life to behave a certain way yeah. and look at things a certain way. So I don't um, fault them for that because we're all victim of systemic racism, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, we stuck through that. And through that process is when I realized the Southeast Asian art scene voices narratives are not being seen in San Jose. Yeah, it's and, not rep- and yeah. especially within the Vietnamese population, we I think we have the large San Jose is the largest population city. outside. Yes, the largest yeah. uh, Vietnamese population in any city outside of Vietnam. Yeah, so it seems like it's a it's a powerful group in our yes. culture that needs to have a voice, right? And that the interesting thing is within our community, the art scene is very vibrant, but mostly made up of our elders. They would host art galleries and they would rent out the Mexican Heritage Plaza Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, have their art exhibits. But mostly the elders, you don't see young people. And um, but the outsiders are not invited. Right. So you would never like content magazine would never know that there was an event. Right. So it was important to me to bring that to light. Let's let's invite the uh, mainstream community in to see, but yeah. we have to present it in such a way that is not uh, that is non-threatening and not too um, shall we say ethnic if that if that's such sure. a word. But I want also want it to be respected, so it can't be like a pop up let's throw some paintings on the wall at a coffee shop. Right. It has to be done in a really good way uh, to represent my community, Yeah, especially if we're launching this, right? Yeah. And so that's when we started to work with Dr. Jerry Hiura. Um, he's mm-hmm. the late Dr. Jerry Hiura, yeah. Yeah. Um, who was on the board of trustee at, at SJMA and also one of the founding members of Shop 6 Art along with our other board members who are incredible, including Jeff Bordona, who works for the museum. Mm-hmm. Um, and we created this exhibit in Japantown at Art Object Gallery. Yeah, yeah. it's a great space. <laughs> yeah, so it was interesting how suddenly we started to uh, also connect with the Japanese community. And so now it's like, it's, it's, that's just the way things work, right? You yeah, just, yeah. It's yeah. A pretty, that's the thing too, especially here in San Jose, South Bay. It's pretty, it's, a, it's kind of a small community. Um, and for the most part, it feels like people are willing to collaborate and help. Yes. Um, kind of, you know, as I was looking at all the things that you do, Trami, it, it kind of feels like, I feel like you're a bridge builder. Um, do you think that would describe who you are? Would you use that kind of description for yourself? I love it. I love that you said <laughs> that because it is exactly my intention in this life. 
<laughs> and so it's it's perfect. And I've never used it, so now I'm going to steal it from you and use it <laughs> sure. in my 30-second elevator pitch <laughs> right you're a bridge builder yeah yes yeah. Yeah, so you said that's kind of like what you're in, in what ways do you see yourself um doing that what's some of the work that you really kind of think is uh the main ideas of the bridges that you're building currently i am trying to build a bridge between the vietnamese community in little saigon and mm-hmm. the east side san jose on the other side of highway 101 where yeah. the Latinx community mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. And it, I find it interesting that we, the Vietnamese, can eat tacos and then the Latino community can eat banh mi, yeah. but somehow we're not really connecting in any real way besides that. Yeah. And so I'm working with like the Mexican Heritage Plaza, Vegulution. Yeah. Um, but so far, it's, it's really a, a, it's a beginning. And yeah. so... Somehow, between all of us, we will figure out a way to connect these two communities so that we can be stronger and also to reduce racism. Yeah. Um, I know in my culture, we certainly have our share of how we look at the white community, the Latino community and the African-American community. And it's 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 a shame because I I don't see the world that way. So it's, it's hard for me to comprehend Though I'm trying to understand, but I think the systemic racism and the whole, uh, you know, being that Asian, what's that word again, where you are just trying to be good and oh, the model hmm. minority. So we oh. live with that. And I'm, yeah. I do that. Sure, and so yeah. I, I can see why my elders would do that. My counterparts would do that. Yeah. So it's, it's really important for all of us to recognize our humanity and let's see how we can work together to change the world for better and not do the finger pointing and not do the you versus me. Um, yeah, yeah that, that would be if by the time I'm dead, I hope that we <laughs> would, you know, I, I can make an impact with that and be able to say, you know what, that's the one thing that I did do and that, that I'm very proud of. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So then, yeah, I'm kind of curious. And for the Vietnamese uh, culture, what is there, what is the general, I don't, you know, probably a little bit of stereotyping, but what is the general understanding of kind of American, um, especially American kind of white culture? What's their kind of perspective? Can you, you want to speak for all of Vietnamese culture? For all, yes, I'm going to speak for all. Um, so with the disclaimer of not speaking for all, but from right. what I have observed as yeah. an outsider, actually, yeah. I didn't move to San Jose until about six years ago. Okay. Um, prior to that, I was never really connected to my culture besides my family. I yeah. was kind of. Um, so then, where were you at from like from eleven to um, coming to San Jose? Yeah, you... I lived in Texas, okay. so I I spoke English with a Texan accent because that was really <laughs> my first English experience. Um, yeah. Then my family moved to Utah, so predominantly white. Yeah. And then after that, when I graduated from college, I moved to California and I lived in mostly white communities, worked for white companies. And I had like, I was, I'm still uncomfortable when I go into a place with a lot of Asian people. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So do you feel it, like, do you know, did you have to down, do you think that you grew up kind of suppressing your Vietnamese culture in a way? Like the expression, or... Or, I mean, maybe consciously, subconsciously, or you didn't have to do it, or it was easy for you to kind of assimilate into kind of like 
dominant Anglo kind of culture? I think that I was fooling myself thinking that I was assimilating. Mm. I made sure my English is good. Mm -hmm. um, so at night, you will hear my Vietnamese accent come out. Um, <laughs> but during the day, I make sure that I form my words so that I sound white and <laughs> yeah. that I can, you know, and I don't act a certain way that I, I carry myself like a white person. And then yeah. I walk by a mirror and realize that I'm not. Sure, and sure. I'm saddened to say, but my really first true racism experience where I'm the victim of it happened in San Jose. Oh, really? And it's such yeah. a confusing thing, isn't it? So if right, I live in, Texas a, in a, to Utah, yeah, right? yeah. If I lived in a white culture, why didn't I feel overt racism? I'm sure there was underlying, but I was not aware of it. And then I moved to San Jose, which is so diverse, yet I experienced overt racism. Wow. And so in my mind, I always had to try to make sense of the world. And the what I can think of is this. I lived in Santa Cruz before I moved to San Jose. So mm -hmm. predominantly white again. Yeah. And yeah. so the experience the white community has with an Asian person or a Vietnamese person is me, right? Yeah. Me and maybe a handful of other people. And we sure. work hard, we keep to ourselves, we're not troublemakers, right? Right. Yeah. But when you come to a, a community with a larger population of any community, you yeah. will have uh, a rainbow of people, right? From, right. from normal people to cr crimes to professionals to you name it. So you have yeah. a whole plethora of people. And so the experience the white community has with my culture is all that. Yeah. And so now suddenly, and, and you know, negative experiences stick, right? So now yeah. they remember Asian person equals something bad that happened to them. Hmm. And so now this, this uh, dislike comes yeah. up, Yeah. right? So that's the only thing I can think of. I don't know if like, it's, if it's a real theory, it's not been sure. studied, <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. just something that I think happened. And, yeah. and you know, so well, it, it is interesting. I mean, you do take a uh, town like San Jose, and even though it's a melting pot, there's people from all over the world. You know, there's kind of like a two-edged sword: is mm -hmm. people who have similar cultures kind of stay together because there's security, there's there's commonality there, there's community there. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, though, what that does is then for the other cultures, you know, you're not able to assimilate in. So then you do have an area that's predominantly Vietnamese culture, Hispanic culture, uh, white culture, you know, so you have these areas, you know, you've got little Portugal, little Italy, you know, and you see these different kind of groups um, segregating themselves, some self and some of it because there's no other opportunity they can let, they're not being let in. And I think that that kind of breeds in what you're talking about, that, that kind of like that subtle and somewhat overt kind of like uh, racism and stereotypes that come about. Right. And there's also some beauty in it. I saw, I, sometimes when we think about uh, the, the different segregated communities, and I just think, why can't we all be together? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, there is a reason for that. Yeah. And the reason is because... Uh, there's differences. There are differences. And it's yeah. very comfortable when you're yeah. able to go into a community where you look like everyone else, mm -hmm. yeah. you eat the same thing, and there's no explaining. Like, yeah. I don't have to explain what a, a good banh mi is to anyone in the Vietnamese community. We just know, yeah, right? Yeah. 
And, and so there's a comfort in that, which I did not experience until I moved to San Jose. Yeah, yeah. So at first I feared it. And then I am now embracing it and loving it. Yeah. And, you know, we always um, are taught to strive to live in a more white neighborhood because it's safer. It's better school district and all that. I live right in the middle of Little Saigon right now, mm -hmm. which horrified my family when I moved here because they were like, why, why, you know? Um, I love it. I love that when I walk my dogs, I hear my people. Yeah, I yeah. hear the Latino, um, you know, voices when Mexican culture, music, yeah. you know, I hear it all and I just love it. Yeah, um, yeah. So things that were taught to me that seemed relevant back then is no longer relevant. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And I really appreciate what you're doing with, you know, building the bridges, you know, between cultures and between ages, even within a culture. You know, is that the difficulty is, you know, most people think that in, in order for things to be a community and unified, they has to be conform, like conformity, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, for me, especially being, you know, half Mexican, half Anglo, white, you know what I mean? Having these two different sides of my family, but it's always been so meshed and you can bounce back and forth and you can do more emphasis on this. And, you know, we were growing up making bologna burritos because it was like these two cultures coming <laughs> together it was like why, I mean, why not right um at the same time it's like there's a great love and celebration for those individual cultures that you don't have to lose just to be and i think that's the american experience like how do we have all this diversity beautiful uniqueness some of it becomes a new right a new type of culture but other parts preserve these great different cultures, right? Right. Yeah. So um, tell us some of the programs that you've been doing with Chopstick Alley Arts, you know, art, art classes and a lot of different pro, uh, performances and a lot of Twitch things happening too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, we have a, an upcoming art class that we're doing virtually through a program we're working with San Jose Museum of Art called Hidden Heritages, mm -hmm. where we are collecting Vietnamese stories to eventually have an exhibit at City Hall. Yeah. Uh, and it's about Vietnamese contributions. And so this upcoming workshop is on October 10th. It's uh, specifically targeted to Vietnamese families where mm -hmm. they will be making cyanotype prints. Oh, great. And, yes, and then sharing uh, their stories and artifacts and, and objects. So um, it's really interesting how we have to pivot because of COVID. We'll be yeah. mailing everyone their art supplies. Oh, we're wow. going to be recording. We already recorded the actual video that we're showing and we're doing a live Zoom call. So yeah. it's all like three-pronged approach, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's what we have to do now. And um, so that's really exciting. And then all the Twitch shows that we're doing came from, again, COVID. We worked with Tasi Alabastro, who's an mm -hmm. incredible actor, but he's also a, t a Twitch guru, if you yeah. will. Yeah. And he taught us how to use that platform to target the younger um Asian American, you know, like yeah. my, my little brothers, they're like playing video games on Twitch. I don't do that. Right. Yeah. Um, but we know they're out there and it's also a different platform to, for us to get on besides Facebook, live streaming and YouTube, etc. Yeah. So um, our proudest thing that we do is we have a monthly show called Chopsticks Alley After Dark featuring yeah. Lucy, Juicy Lou, yeah. who is um, a drag queen from the LGBTQ community. And we have a, actually a show tonight. Um, starting at 7 p.m. 
and, uh, you know, featuring all the Southeast Asian LGBTQ community and artists. So yeah. that's really fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So, and that's that you do the those programs. Is that once a month or how often does that? Which Thursday night is that happening? Um, so usually it's a second Thursday night of the month. Okay. Um, this month is for some reasons on a third Thursday night. So yeah. that's monthly. And then we also do what we call Art Tongue. It's a lecture series oh, yeah. uh, sharing the Asian uh, art and also culture. And yeah. those we also do once a month. And it's during a lunchtime on a Friday. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, the other thing we do that's super fun is called Conscious Alley. And it's called Midday Medi Veggie, and that's every Wednesday at 12.15 p.m. It's a half-hour show where we feature some vegetarian food and then a 15-minute meditation with Dr. Smita Garg. And I find that now it is really important to think about our consciousness and Mother Earth and how do we take care of each other, the environment, and our bodies. It's all um, part of our messaging now yeah, yeah that's great what about for you personally what do you i mean my impression of you is you're a pretty tenacious on the go like you know you have, you have a list of things that you're doing all these programs <laughs> these different assets for you what do you do to kind of like and even especially in like covid what have you what do you do personally to kind of like make sure you're having balance in your life Yeah, you know, I grew up always thinking that I have to be a balanced person like (laughs) everyone else. Sure. I if if there's a a hare and a turtle, I was always striving to be a turtle because in my culture we're taught to be that way, to be relaxed and you know, um, spread it out. Yes, yes. And I'm a hare, so (laughs) (laughs) what that means is I run really fast, and then I have zero steam left, and then I crash and burn. So I tend to be like that, and I'm kind of like okay with it now I don't judge myself anymore and so for me once I crash and burn what that looks like is I go camping in my RV okay Um, yes I go to nature Um, I don't have to do much just as long as we park that RV and we just (laughs) sit outside and stare at nothing Um, that's what I do and now with the COVID fires it makes it a little bit harder because a lot of the parks are closed Um, so I just go in my backyard I have this really nice backyard with lots of flowers and fruit trees and I have chickens and um, I just sit back there and now you know thankfully the air cleared up because it it was very difficult when we were confined to just the house (laughs) yeah 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 what have you kind of learned about yourself during kind of like the shelter in place and this transition of what normal is? I have to say I've learned that I have an endless amount of creativity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's, people talk about it like um, it's a muscle that you exercise. Yeah. When I worked in the corporate world, I kept telling myself I really don't have a lot of creativity. If somebody comes up with something, I can help expand on it. But to come up with a new idea was a struggle for me. Hmm. But since really starting to work for myself and realizing I have to get creative to compete, I'm exercising that part of my brain a lot more. So now I wake up with new ideas. Like it just comes. And sometimes (laughs) I'm like, enough, no more, you know. Uh, So I find that I have this endless amount of creativity, which I'm so thankful for. And um, I also learned that I don't give up, even though I kind of knew that, but I'm pretty damn sure now. I just (laughs) don't give up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I could see. I mean, you seem to be like if I had to pick 
another kind of word for my, you know, observation is that definitely entrepreneurial, you know what I mean? Where, which, you know, I see like, you know, coming up with ideas and you're in, you're open to venturing new possibilities. And, you know, I definitely can see that. And I like what you're saying too, is like giving yourself the, you know, allowance to know like, Hey, I'm, I'm not a turtle. I'm a hare. And I think that's so (laughs) difficult. I think growing up, right. You know, we're, we're taught that we have to be everything, you know what I mean? You have to be all these things. And then you start to realize, like, I just can't, I just can't do that. I can't be slow and meditative, you know? <laughs> I'm the same way. I, the joke about me is is that I shoot, then aim. That's what, that's kind of like the thing. I mean, it's, my kind of thing is, you know, and my wife is completely the opposite. But for me, it's just like, no, let's just go for it. Like, here's an idea. Let's just start acting. It'll work out. And, you know, and everybody else says, no, you got to have a plan. You got to, I'm like, I've made plans and they always fall apart and change. So let's just start going. <laughs> I'm with you. I, <laughs> right? I agree. I don't think there's only one way to do it. And I think our, our yeah. process is pretty effective. So, hey, I know. it's time we can... to revisit, revisit that whole philosophy. Right. right? We're getting stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, so for you, Trammy, what would you say is um, like your kind of life philosophy or what's kind of like your the thing that the thought or the philosophy that drives you? I think I have a new philosophy now yeah. um, and it changes. So right now it's about doing good and having fun while doing it. Awesome. I think fun is mm. is everything. And fun means different things to different people, right? Some people yeah. love numbers and that's fun for them. And that's yeah. like pure hell for me. Right. So, <laughs> right? so fun means something different for everyone. But I think having fun, having joy in our life and combining work so that it can be part of our life, right? So work doesn't have to be miserable. Yeah. And so I, I find that really if if you believe in god or the higher being or whatever it they they gave us a playground mm-hmm. and it's just a bunch of puzzles that we have to resolve and so i don't take it that seriously yeah. and i think first you got to dream big have a vision in your mind of what that's supposed to look like and then trust that the way to get there will be revealed to you and the knowledge and the experience will be given to you so you can get there. So yeah. my philosophy is really trust, have fun, and don't take yourself so seriously. Yeah. I can see that funny. Every, the times I've seen you even on screen or in Twitch things and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's just a real, you have this kind of smiley funness about you. And I remember even that for our pickup party. When you do that incredible presentation about the the Vietnamese rock band, yes, rock and roll, yes, Th- that was incredible. And then you you were having so much fun with it that I was having so. Which, by the way, I wanted to ask you, what was the name of the group? It was like CBC or something like that. CBC, or? I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was incredible. That was so. That was like, you know, eye opening to me. Like that cultural kind of awareness that you brought. It really built a bridge to me to think of. I think I'm a victim of culture, right? And so I mm-hmm. think of, you know, most Vietnamese culture just in the context of the war, right? Mm-hmm. And the majority of the people that I've known and been friends with, you know, have come over themselves or because their parents brought them over because of, you know, being refugees and stuff like that. So that tends to dominate. But then to see like this 
cool, rich rock and roll <laughs> history. And like, oh, it was so fun. I want to get my hands on a record. That was so good. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and, you know, these ideas just pop in. Like, they just come in. So it's not like I've done, I spent my whole life studying rock and roll, right? <laughs> right yeah. I mean, so it's, yeah. and that's just it, what you just said. There's so much richness in the Vietnamese culture. And I did not come from uh, the same way everyone came to San Jose or, or from sure. Vietnam. Yeah. Right. So, and there's this whole other aspect of the Vietnamese people that no one talks about, but for some reason, the dominant culture is the refugee experience, yeah. the uh, yellow flag with the red stripes, which I don't really understand myself. Yeah. And um, it's, I can't wait to share all these other things that I think are so cool about the Vietnamese culture. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Well, cool. And, you know, thank you for doing it and, and being such a fun person. I mean, I just really get that. And thank you for, uh, you know, taking time and talking. Thank you for building the bridges. And, um, yeah. And for thank the best you. way, yeah, for the best way to get a hold of, to see what Chop, Chopsticks Alleys is up to is probably the, the website. Is that the... Yes. Give a, give a plug. <laughs> Chopsixalleyart.org, our nonprofit, and also chopsixalley.com. And um, we have updates all the time. And of course, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the yeah. works. Yeah. We're there. And you can look up both of those um, at symbols, Chopsixalley or Chopsixalleyart, and we'll be there. And yeah. I also want to thank you, um, Daniel, for creating the podcast. I mean, you pivoted, you started this amazing <laughs> thing. And yeah. uh, we love it. Thank yeah. you. It was kind of funny. It's the, it's totally the shoot, you know, then aim thing. It was like, <laughs> okay, well, let's see. I can't go do photos. Um, I'm just going to call people and start talking to them. <laughs> hey, could you do me a favor? Can you say, you know, I ask everybody to kind of like, you know, do that kind of like who they are and what they kind of do kind of. For, could you do that? Um, could you say that uh, about yourself, claim that in Vietnamese as our closeout? Oh wow! Oh, okay, now I have to shift my brain to that. Okay, here we go. Okay. Tôi là người Việt Nam. Tôi làm việc cho một cái hãng gọi là Chopsticks Art. Chúng tôi đưa nghệ thuật và cho cộng đồng và chúng tôi rất muốn tất cả mọi người thân thiết với nhau, vẽ và làm những điều nghệ thuật với nhau để mà tốt cho cộng đồng và để cho người Mỹ thấy là mình là một cộng đồng rất là sốt sắng và đẹp đẽ và hoàn mỹ. Cảm ơn tất cả mọi người. There you go. I think I stumbled and said a bunch of ridiculous things, but hey, I I tried. I have to shift my brain, you know, into Vietnamese mode. Yeah, no, no, it's good. I just thought that it would be kind of a great way to end it so uh thank you trami and i'm sure i'll be seen around if not um on screen hopefully in person soon thank you okay thank you find out more about trami and chopsticks alley at chopsticksalleyarts.org thank you for listening to the content magazine podcast Follow us on social media at Content Mag. Visit our website to become a member and help us to continue to tell the stories of the local creators. 
This episode's music is Time Alone by Mild Monk. Follow him on Spotify and also on his Instagram at Mild Monk Music. 